Tom Gerhardt and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. I'm back. Yes. Oh, back. yeah. <laughs> I'm a oh, part yeah, of this back. show. I'm a part of this show, too. I had oh. already forgotten about you. <laughs> Hi, I'm here today to talk about my favorite product. Oh. The Mark One by Studio Imagine Oh, that, yeah. you'll be welcome at any time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking one day I do want to do one, but I don't know what it will be. But I want to. Yeah. So, obviously, we'll talk about the last detail, which I'm hoping um, people will check out. And if you are a new listener to the show and you're wondering... Who the hell is this? <laughs> I, I am usually the third host of the show, but yeah. I'm, I'm very happy that you that you guys are doing the last detail. Um, it's very cool, and I loved. Oh my god, I loved the first episode. It was so good. Oh my god, thank you. <laughs> what, I, did you what did you like about it? Well, I mean, I love Adam, right? Yeah, um, but also just just the, the general conceit of the show is good, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm. people who have very strong opinions about things coming on to talk about something that they really enjoy like you know they've they've done the work for you mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. which is like it is i i i don't know if when we spoke about it i don't think you mentioned it on the show but like it is it's almost like a spin-off of our uh annual quote-unquote gift guide right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of like yeah. come to the show with things you've used for a long time talk about them um yep. and I, yeah so i really yeah. like it and but what i don't like as i said to you guys is how much money the last detail is going to cost me because I've already decided yeah. when we move, I'm going all Sonos. Oh, oh. nice. Oh, welcome to the... Yeah. 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 Well, who knows where... I mean, we don't... Who knows where that will shake out? I mean, I we have no idea no. what will be the mix of products that people like or, you know, or want to talk about. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see after like 10 uh, what that feels like. I mean, obviously, it was helpful that you guys both had Sonos devices, but I imagine the mm-hmm. show would be quite different if you've, neither of you have ever used the thing that the puzzle wants to talk yeah. about, right? Yeah. That's yeah. going to yeah. be interesting yeah. to it to him. So I'm very excited. Uh, I'm, I'm looking Thank forward you, to the next episode. Yeah, cool. it was. Yeah. it's fun. I think it came together. It was a good first episode. It, it felt like we found our footing pretty quickly, mm-hmm. and it seems like... It's kind of like a repeatable, the way we've set things up, it's like, oh yeah, this, I think this could work like in perpetuity at just yeah. having different guests on. So yeah. Well, you guys have had some uh, experience podcasting now, so. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. You gave us our wings, Mike. <laughs> and I, just, I just like to watch the babies fly out of the nest. You know? <laughs> uh, there was a, you did your first Mark II special edition. Did, true. Yeah. We've been busy. Yeah, we've really actually busy. been putting out a lot of stuff. Yeah, and it's going to kind of keep rolling. We are, it does feel busy um, around these parts, but it's good. It's good. I, I feel like we had just, we're holding on to a bunch of stuff for a long time, and yep. now it's just going out the door, so it's, it's good. Mm-hmm. So this is the same color makeup as the first of the Mark I edition, limited editions, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yes, blue and, and we silver. we didn't like it was not like we're planning like oh we're gonna do a Mark II for every Mark One color we did or something. But when we were thinking about doing a Mark II special edition, 
it just I don't know it just felt like the right the right color because when we did the mark one it sold out it's when we did only a hundred because we had no idea what was going to happen and so it sold out in like 11 minutes and so it was like oh well that was popular Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we kind of knew that you know maybe there was a lot of people that liked that color and so and it just felt right um and so yeah, we we did the same titanium blue or blue titanium, I believe it, the official mm-hmm. name is. <laughs> yeah, and, and this was the first uh, like fully timed release for yeah. our limited editions. Like we kind of just have done away with the quantity, uh, which I think is good. Like a couple of e- people emailed and were like, "Thanks for doing it this way," and uh, some Australians probably, I bet. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's just, you know, the the reason we did the very first one, uh, you know, a hundred units only, is we literally had them done. Like they were they were already coded when we did the sale, and then we started shipping them two days later or whatever because we thought that was really cool to just kind of like have them and then do it. But we realized if it, if it's a six week lag, like that's fine. Nobody cares. Like people are accepting of that. They would rather be able to get the pen than, you know, not and have it come two days later uh, to someone else. That's not them. So, uh, so I think this is like uh, five, you know, five editions in, I think we've kind of landed on the secret sauce of how, this just makes sense and is the most accommodating for the most people. So we'll probably do it like this from here on out. And so how long is the, like the, the lead time when you do one of these typically? We well, said it's six weeks. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cause go ahead, Tom. Yeah. I mean, it's just hard to, it's hard to say cause we don't control the whole schedule. Right. So yep. typically we'll do it. We, we have the parts like we, everything's ready to go, but then we're always waiting on a supplier, either the Cerakote or the PVD coder are both. And then when it comes to assembly, it's, you know, it's usually not that won't take us that long to do it. So really, we're just kind of like waiting on suppliers. So, you know, six weeks is uh, like a conservative estimate. So hopefully it won't take that long. But you know, it's we don't control that side of the schedule. So we're kind of just like, you know, try to best guess as best we can. So yeah, because I guess the like the mental uh, risk of this, I guess, is that like, it's more products with expectations on them shipping wise, but I guess you're pretty used to this at this point, right? There's always yeah, a I mean, we, <laughs> Yeah, and we're and we the way we do our like the Mark ones, just the normal ones we sell, we don't it's not like we order like a six months of supplies to be coded at once. Like we kinda they kinda trickle in. Yeah. So we're used to kind of getting trickle in of like the coatings. And so that's pretty normal to us. We just tell, you know, we just tell the supplier like, oh, do this color instead of this color. And so um, the, the, actually the trickiest thing, though, is, you know, we there's quality control issues. So we always are, have to like guess like a percentage over how many we're going to need. And so that is actually the trickiest part, trickiest part, especially with the Mark II, is because it's the first time doing this kind of custom color. We don't really have a super clear idea about how many over we should order. So that's actually the trickiest part of the whole process. But it's, you know, it's fine. It works out. Yeah. And this is maybe getting into the weeds a little bit. But another thing that is tricky and kind of annoying is we decide for these limited editions to just fulfill them ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they never go to a warehouse. They're just getting packaged and shipped directly directly 
you know, from our houses, which I think is the correct call. And I think it makes sense for something like this. And part of the reason we're doing these limited editions the way we are is so we don't have to like create a new SKU in our warehouse and have it be maintained and then it be empty and then just cluttering up, you know, the listings and stuff like we're doing it this way on purpose. But what it means with the way there's all these little intricacies with how our online store is set up and it's like we have they're not because they're not getting pushed to our warehouse we have to like turn off automatic fulfillment and then all these orders are backed up and then i have to go through them like one by one and make sure like they're routed to the correct place and then when the pre-sale is over then we can turn it back on and so it feels like our website is kind of like held together with you know scotch tape and wire sometimes mm-hmm. uh and it's i i wish they were like better ways to do that but every time we uh, we experience little things like this it just makes me want to figure out a way to bring fulfillment like completely in-house which is like a totally other uh discussion but um yeah it's like we're still there's always these like little improvements to wake make or ways to figure out how to uh do it better because right now it feels a little bit janky it's funny how much of these you know, making a decision to do like a limited edition Mark One. how much of the process is not exactly about the product. It's like all about the supporting stuff around it. I mean, it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of crazy how much, like the actual effort to get that product out the door, like maybe 10% of it is the actual boots on the ground product. And the rest of it is just like the infrastructure around it, you know, and it's it's interesting uh it's always that's what it took us so long to do a limited edition because we all i mean we thought from the very get-go like oh let's do limited edition pins it's perfect we can do different colors but it took us so long to do the first one because we knew it was such like a headache uh to kind of get there and so i I don't know i i think that is actually a lot of the um I don't know. That's like a lot of the the wisdom I think in having been doing Studio Need for like twelve years or whatever it is is yeah. is is kind of knowing uh, those little lessons of like okay what what we can anticipate like the down chain effects of like making a product decision and um, I I mean I imagine that actually stops us from doing new things uh some because we like know we kind of fully know what the consequences might be (laughs) but uh so it's i mean it's good it gets it keeps us out of trouble but i think it also maybe makes us more conservative than we should be in some ways because it's like oh why don't we just you know go for this instead of being conservative about it but now we now we really kind of we can just like on a whim decide to do a limited edition and we know we don't have to reinvent the wheel so that's Mm -hmm. really nice but uh, but yeah, it is interesting to have, have have all those inner workings to worry about. And I assume that people were appreciative of, uh, if you receive feedback about this, of the timed period, right? Because I know that you did this mm-hmm. after the orange pen uh, sold out really quickly and meant that people couldn't get their hands on it in certain mm-hmm. parts of the world or whatever. Yeah, and we ended up uh, tacking on a uh, like a 24 hours or or maybe it was 48 hours on the end of the Mark 1 Orange edition because, yeah, because we received that feedback immediately of people like, oh, I didn't even get a chance at this. And so that was when we discovered like, oh, maybe timed 
is the way to go. And so mm-hmm. this, yeah, this was the first one that was just fully timed and I, it was, it went off without a hitch. I think it was fine. Nobody complained. Uh, so I think it's good. Does it not make it harder from a planning perspective? Like if, could you know, cause I assume one of the reasons that you were doing the, um, the limited numbers is like, you knew how many you had, you knew how long it would take that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. if you have a time limit, it opens you up to potentially an, an infinite amount, right? Isn't that, doesn't mm-hmm. it make it more difficult? Yeah, I think if this was the first one or two, like we could get really surprised. But it seems like even if it went crazy, it's within a scope that we could handle. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. we're going to, you know, sell like a hundred times more of one limited edition than another one. So, um, yeah, we don't know, but mm-hmm. we know that we have enough to cover, like, whatever happens, right? It's not going to, like, completely break us. Now, there might be a situation where it is starting to go crazy and we're worried. And maybe we would, like, cut it off or, mm-hmm. I don't know, make the decision. But I don't really see that happening. So, because we have some, you know, cycles under our belt, it seems like, you know, it's it's within the range. Um, but yeah, I mean, fall I, back on wild stocks last, you know? Yeah, wild stuff. Mm, yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like people aren't going to burn our house down if we just say, "Oh, we had to end it early because they sold out." You know, it's not. It's yeah, depends on the color. You know, maybe you find just <laughs> the right color. You know? I I think what we would honestly probably do is when we notice that it's trending in a direction that it's like, "Oh, we're gonna like run out of our available stock." Uh, we would just change the messaging on the buy page. That's like, "Oh, this isn't six weeks anymore. It's." four months or whatever and then perhaps you know email uh, you know everyone as well to let them know it's like okay these if you got it in if you bought it before this time then it'll be six weeks if you bought it after this time it'll be longer like we could i would (laughs) much rather do those than just like cutting you know cutting the fire hose off uh of sales coming in so and i think people would be understanding of that so this is all this is all fantasy like it had to be like a, t- a really like a, t- a 10x you know of what we were yeah. expecting i would much for prefer to-, to sell a million pens <laughs> yeah than not. yeah exactly <laughs> well, I, I don't know if i would much prefer to sell a million pins if we sold a million pins uh Literally everything about my life would have to change. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, it would be horrible. Like if 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 literally a million pins came in, it would be. I don't actually know how to solve that problem. We would have mm. to like hire, I don't know, a well, hundred people. This is that thing, right? That you yeah. see so much of Kickstarters that get too popular, yeah. and then they can't cope. Yeah. They just can't yeah. handle it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh. I mean, obviously, that would be a good problem to have. Like, if if that happened, like, it would be crazy, but then we would be, like, wealthy. You know, it's like, it's like <laughs> you know, it would be good. I would do it, right? But it's just, yeah. like, thinking about, it's not, like, like, that's such a different scale that it would actually change literally everything. Like, mm-hmm. it would change, like, everything about Studio Neat you could even imagine. And so, yeah. it is kind of wild to think about that. Um and you know we you know we could respond or whatever, but it is things are things really change with scale. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. That's actually one topic that I am interested in, kind of hopefully getting to explore on the last detail is, 
you know, these different products are only possible at different scales. And I think yep. trying to unpack some of that is like definitely a topic that I'm interested in kind mm-hmm. of exploring more because it, you know, we're like, we are super limited in what we do by the scale we're at. And I think, you know, it kind of drives like almost everything about our business. And so I don't know, I think it's, it's just a thing that I walk around the world. And when I look at products and their pricing, my immediate question is just like scale, just like, ha- like <laughs> how many of these things are made, you know, like, ha- <laughs> yeah, this, you know? I think that was something that really surprised me. The, and the more I started diving into this world is sometimes people just, they just won't do it. Like, you yeah, can offer yeah. money. Like, I'll pay. What does it cost? I'll pay you. It's like, no, nah, there's just not enough of them. Or like, we'll do this yeah. for you, but you need to order 2,000, 5,000, 10,000 of this thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, which yeah. is complicated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like you can only play certain games if you're at a certain scale, right? Yeah. It's like we really wanted to do um, like that uh, – that like pulp paper packaging where, you know, they like mold paper pulp and then it makes like, you know, a 3D like paper packaging thing yeah. like Apple does. a lot. But we're like way off the scale for that. It's like you have to order like hundreds of thousands of mm. pieces of that packaging for them to do it. And so it's just like, well, uh, I guess we can't do that. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> you know, it's and we're and almost always we're kind of at the we're almost at the very bottom of minimum order quantities or like MOQ for any process we're into. I mean, that's not always the case, but almost always we're kind of like at the lowest level. And so we get to play the game, but with the least amount of leverage, which is yeah. often not fun. Where it's like, yeah, we're your smallest customer. <laughs> How's it going? You know? What it's a like, great relationship we can have now. I know. And it's funny because a lot of, I think a lot of suppliers are like, they've seen this happen before where they're like, well, this might be our smallest customer now, but you never know. So mm-hmm. that's their attitude, yeah. which yep. it helps us a lot. And, you know, I think after sometimes we're 10 years with the same supplier and we're still their smallest customer. But, you know, at that <laughs> point, maybe we've charmed them into uh, liking us. Cause we are, I, I, think I, have a, I have a situation going on right now, which I expect you to have quite a lot, which is uh, I am a small customer also probably one of the pickier customers oh yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> which yeah. is not a great like mixture i think yeah i'll tell you what though your leverage there though is that you can be like a portfolio piece for them right yes. like you can yeah. you can provide them assets you can do testimonials or whatever because mm-hmm. i could tell you probably no other customer that they have is used to communicating like you right or like used Mm -hmm. to doing photos or like or even has as good of a design right i mean that's like almost always the case and so i know for us like with our pins i've talked to like reps at cerakote who are like high up at cerakote and it's just because we're doing something interesting and designing so they want the product to exist they'll like actually they like did some consulting with our cerakote coder to work on some problem we were having with the white coating early on and it's just because, like, we had this interesting thing, not because we're, like, you know, Samsung and have, like, tons of... I've rev, noticed like, you know, that, sales. like, with being in this position, you care about the work, which, well, in a lot of instances, can uh, create just a bond between you and the company, right? Where it's just, like, yeah. they care about the work, they do the work, and finding customers that also care about the end result... Like it kind of makes the art of the thing 
which yeah. some people really value. So mm-hmm. it, it can be beneficial, totally. but it is still sometimes just a funny place to be in of like, so when is this going to be done? When we've done everyone else's, we're going to get to yeah, yours. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> no problem, yeah. you know. <laughs> I, I remember when we, were, when we were making the piano book and we were like doing a tour with the um, supply, like the printer in Dallas. And it was like, oh, they also print all of the ballots, like the election ballots for the oh state of word. Texas. Wow. And it was like, well, we know what the priority is. It's like, it's, like, it's not like there's a question, like what's going to get done first. You know? I hope so <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so it's like, it's just, it, yeah, it is really interesting seeing that. But in my experience, honestly, like we, you know, we have had a couple situations where it's been very bad that we were the really small fish. Mm-hmm. But I think because... Maybe it's just the way I communicate to them or what, but they know that we're just like some dudes trying to make something. And that really helps us, I think. Like, I <laughs> I feel like I've had like good relationships. And with all of our suppliers, or a lot of them, like when they're coming through town, they'll like email me and I'll go and like meet them for lunch or whatever. Right. Yeah. And so it, it like really changes the relationship. Um, like palpably. So if, if anyone's out there like looking at, you know, trying to do this sort of thing, like, don't ever pretend that you're bigger than you are. Just like be really authentic because actually like these people working at these companies, like they're humans and they want to help out humans. Right. And so uh, being really straightforward about what you're doing, I think is actually like really, really, it's like your superpower kind of. Talking about humans, dealing with humans. Mm, What a great (laughs) transition. I'm a professional. Uh, I, I see a note in here called customer service. Yes. I'm, no longer doing customer service for Studio Neat. Is he, do you no longer service the customers? <laughs> I, we don't, no. <laughs> They're on their own now. <laughs> we just ignore it. The email just auto-archives auto everything. <laughs> so we, we fixed it, guys. And <laughs> <laughs> now we don't have to do it with email anymore. <laughs> I don't know why we didn't do it earlier. It was just <laughs> Uh yeah we we hired someone to oh. do customer service for us. We've actually hired. I don't think it. We mentioned it uh, previously, but we've hired a couple part-time people. Whoa, one for big business assembly, boys. and yeah, one for customer service. Uh, part both part-time, and mm-hmm. uh, it's going well. I don't know uh, if you have any questions or anything, but it's a new new territory for us, uh, and this is all part of a kind of grander plan, which will hopefully reveal itself in the coming months that's a teaser for everyone listening out mm-hmm. there uh <laughs> I think they but, got that. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it's i i feel like i mean it's uh yeah i mean we had mentioned earlier in the show like we're busy with all these releases like and we had the mark three kickstarter and the pen tray and this limited edition and we have like a couple other things kind of in the queue over the next couple months. And aside from all that, it's like, yeah, we're doing this other, I feel like we're kind of moving fast and on the business side of things and in terms of kind of shaking things up and trying to fix some pain points and some problems and some things, some ways of working that were not feeling very sustainable. And so it's all felt very, good like we're kind of moving in a a positive direction and there's going to be a big uh there's going to be a big kind of leap uh coming up 
in a few months. That was another teaser. <laughs> <laughs> You're so good. Uh, the professional part is too, the calling I out. Too, I'm a professional. Um, <laughs> but it's all, it, like, it feels, I'm feeling pretty, like, energized uh, by kind of the changes we've made. I don't know if Tom kind of feels the same way, but it's it's been good. Yeah, totally. And, and just to, like, in general, the 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 thinking has been basically we kind of you know for the long for like almost all of studio needs history we outsourced everything right it was like the manufacturers make the things they send them to the warehouses and then we're you know we have sales and then they get shipped and and we can focus on like designing and making new products and marketing and making content and stuff and then lately with the products we've been designing we've just had to more and more shift that final assembly in-house just because the quality control needs to be really high and we can't really rely on anyone else to do it. And we don't actually have other people to do it exactly. And at the beginning, it was like something we could just take on. Dan and I is like another thing we do. But then as we have like progressed into having several pins and like docks and stuff, it's like becoming overwhelming when we just found ourselves like spending a ton of time with assembly work and we couldn't do everything else. And so for we, you know, after really making that realization, we, you know, we said, okay, we have to make some big changes. Um, and so, you know, we're kind of in this big transition this year of getting in a position where Dan and I can again be more focused on product development and marketing, uh, and just kind of like content creation and doing things, and then having, you know, the products kind of take care of themselves in terms of like once they're made, having a tighter system for getting them made and out the door. And so that's kind of the like top level thing of what's going on. And so, yeah, I agree. It feels really good to be able to um, be in that space. For me, the, the biggest change has been, I think, and I've talked to Dan about this some, but like for the longest time, doing some of that assembly work was like, uh, it, was, it was kind of, it's like mindless work. Like it's, it doesn't take a lot of my attention. And so it was actually kind of fun to mm-hmm. do, or it wasn't exactly fun, but it was like, it felt good to do work and be productive, but it was like, I could kind of relax and zone out while doing it. And I realized after having someone, now we have someone that does, like part-time does assembly for us. And so basically I have to keep all the assembly tasks for that person. Like I can't let myself do it at all. And what I found was, like I was using that assembly time as like a crutch. It was almost like laziness where I was like, oh, I need to assemble these pins. So I'm going to do it and I'm going to avoid doing this work. That's like maybe harder or takes more like <laughs> mental effort. Uh-huh. And so now I'm like way more tired at the end of the day. But I also find myself doing that like kind of hard work more quickly. And so that was been super interesting. Just seeing that trade off of like the type of work that I do and and how the systems that we set up around ourselves influences that. And so, anyways, that's just an interesting change. And, you know, I, there'll be more, you know, going forward. And so it's, it's, it is really interesting to kind of make these big structural shifts in our business and, and what that's going to mean for us. But it was, it's definitely like super time to do it. So I'm, I'm also glad we're doing it. And it will be interesting to see how it shakes out. I've called that, that kind of work in the past work procrastination. Where like mm. you're, act, yeah. you're doing something, but it's not yeah. what you should yeah. be doing. 
Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because it's it is what I'm sure. It's like I should be doing it. Like it needs to happen. But yeah, it's like yeah, maybe I shouldn't be doing it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you find this bus? Well, these people. How did you find them? It is different people, right? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, indeed. Uh, yeah, ah. This podcast is say, sponsored by Indeed. Well, I actually do have podcasts sponsored by Indeed, so I don't want to make that joke. Uh, so, yeah, also, you know, we are uh, uh, here at Relay FM. We are a, a uh, hiring agnostic company. We have multiple hiring recruitment companies that sponsor on various shows, never the same one. But, you know, so you, Indeed's good, LinkedIn's good, whatever you want, you know. Yeah, well, it's actually so for the the assembly person that was indeed, and that was location specific. Like they needed to yep. be obviously in Austin because mm-hmm. they're coming in person to assemble. But the uh, customer service was just a blog post on our website that right. we then tweeted out. Yep, and so that was very intentional because my dream was finding someone that knew the brand Mm -hmm. and knew us because then it's like, Oh, you have all of this. I don't have to like explain what we're about or our familiarity with our uh, products. Like you have a huge leg up in that position. If you already know kind of, you know what we're doing and how our products are supposed to work and things like that. So that I was really happy that we were able to do it that way rather than, you know, finding you know a random person through yeah, one of these I, job like we've yeah. we've hired a bunch of people now and we work with a bunch of people now at relay fm and i don't think that there is a like one size fits all this is the right way to hire i think it does depend on the work so like we've used um hiring websites right uh we've used uh friends of friends mm-hmm, we've mm-hmm. used kind of like open calls you know, it, it all depends, right? So, like, yeah. mm-hmm. I've uh, hi- we've hired designers in all these different ways for different projects, right? We had like some a friend. We hired someone who got in touch with us. Uh, we recently hired someone um, via talking about it on our in our Discord and on a, on a members only show because mm-hmm. we needed someone specifically who was very familiar with relay shows for some merch stuff. Mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. I, I have a designer that i've been working with for a couple of years now um who i have do some podcast related stuff for me but sometimes it takes an extra brief right of like mm-hmm. let me explain what this reference is and we can talk about it together mm-hmm. yeah. when we were also looking for someone who was like hey if you listen to a bunch of our shows already and you're design focused and have ideas mm-hmm. we need ideas as well as the work right yeah and so like there are different different like we have different purposes for different jobs and sometimes different hiring methods require require that and you've been like you know as you say like you can't just do an open call kind of thing on the studio neat blog for someone you need in person to do assembly right yeah yeah Yeah. because you have you've gone down so many levels now of mm-hmm. of like the Venn diagrams that yeah <laughs> it, you yeah. it's too complicated right and yeah and yeah. also it is the kind of work where like it doesn't matter if they know you like anyone that's right. good at this kind of stuff you can just explain to them what's important to you right mm-hmm. and then yep. they can follow it right but but yeah for customer service stuff 
there is it does help if somebody is already familiar with the brand, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you know, for us, we've you know we've we've worked with people before, but there was always like you know contractor kind of relationship. Uh, but yeah, now we've really broken the seal on kind of you know having like a team member, um, and so that that feels really good to be able to mm-hmm. kind of have again some experience and flexibility there um and who knows where that will take us like you know but uh it's way harder to to bring on the first person than any other person is Mm. easier Mm -hmm. yeah you build the processes and all of the required legal stuff and all that you do the one it's always stuff you got to do but once you understand how to do it the first time then you can do it easier subsequent times right like it's like well i know you know I, i have an idea of the forms we need to fill in now yeah. So yeah. And I mean, it's just like I was looking at our POs and, you know, like we generate like a purchase order for every time we like make part like order parts or something. And let me see what number we're at. I think we're at like, we're like 230 right now, like the amount of POs that we've mm-hmm. sent out. And these are like not just little orders. It's like when you're ordering like custom parts and some big thing. And it's just like, wow. We have done this a lot of times, <laughs> <We've>, like ordered, <laughs> like, you know, parts. And this is probably not even like half of, you know, we don't even half the time make a purchase order necessarily. But it's just crazy that, you know, how many, how many things. And like looking at these POs, it's like the history of our company. Like when I'm like, just like looking back through them, like, oh, I remember when we were like ordering the rubber like die cut part for the glyph or I remember when, you know, it's just like interesting. <laughs> stuff but and that's and i was setting up like the second person in our payroll system i was like oh yeah i mean i don't think we'll ever have hired two like 200 people but um it's just interesting to kind of see that um like you know it's like oh yeah we can't have experience doing this we just have to kind of do it a couple times yeah have you hit the point yet where you're talking to some like you're talking to one of your new employees and they ask you why do you do that thing and the only answer you can give them is, it's just how we do it. And then you have to quickly realize that, and as I have many times, that when you start working with other people, you you can make your processes better and better understandable for other people and therefore better for everyone. But like, there's so much stuff that it's just like, why do you do it like this? It's like, yeah because four <laughs> years i guess i don't really know <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah no they're totally there i mean i mentioned earlier about you know our, our website feeling at times like it's you know held together with wire and scotch tape and it, it was explaining some of those idiosyncrasies right. to the person it's like okay so when you go into the f- fulfillment thing and you want to add something you, you want to replace something you actually have to add it first and then delete the other thing because if you do it in the other order there's this bug that like won't <laughs> let you do it and it's like okay these are it's like i was kind of realizing how much kind of institutional knowledge i just had yeah. built oh, up yeah. over yeah. 12 years of like oh man there's uh, I, here's my instant message just like you can you can ask me a question whenever you want because there's going to be lots of like uh why does this behave this way so but it's actually i'm surprised how smoothly it's gone so far like it's pretty i feel like i knocked out the big strangeness things uh that you would encounter so i'm i've been pretty pleased with that yeah Yeah, i mean it's like that cliche right where it's like if you want to really learn something like teach it to someone else and i think definitely Mm -hmm. having to especially with like the the assembly stuff like you know, 
we had to get way more organized with like our parts inventory and stuff to, you know, to even get to the point where we had someone come in. So it is, yeah, it's good all around um, for sure. It's a, it, it was a long overdue process that we knew we needed to do, but we're always kept pushing it off. And I'm glad that we kind of got forced into it. So it's good. It's a, a new dawn. <laughs> and where is this, the, the assembly person working? It, uh, right now in my home office. So Which I was going to ask, big. what is that experience like? You got someone uh, there with you. Yeah, it's fine. The, the thing about the, I mean, it's, it, it's a little awkward, right? You know, I mean, it's like having someone in your house, right? Mm-hmm. But um, with our, you know, my chaos too of like three young boys and like two dogs and the cat. And, you know, it's, it's just like <laughs> always, it's always a lot. Like, for instance, when he came... Over today, like to start to work, like my boys came in with their like they got new like laser blaster guns uh-huh. for laser tag, and they were like shooting him, you know, which is fine. Like when we did <laughs> the fine. job post, he's, like, he's fine with it. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we did the job post, we were like, let's be really clear. Like this is the environment you're gonna be in. Right? Yeah. Um, laser toys. But but you know the cool thing is it's like it's a nice level of they are pretty autonomous with like they could do this work. Yeah. But if they have a question, they could just you know murmur to me and i'll like answer it real quick so that's nice i mean it's a good i it's not that bad but it's the murmuring small. is that is that something you demand of your employee like <laughs> Sorry, you may only murmur to me <laughs> I, I cannot handle the loud noises i am working i'm in my mind palace right now and, uh... <laughs> yeah exactly no but it's good but you know what yeah. who knows where you know in a year from now i'm sure things will be different but I mean, this is uh, just like this is the way that these things should go at a certain point. Like, how long mm-hmm. have you guys been doing this? Like this this business twelve 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 years. years yeah. At a certain yeah, point, if you're able to, the ability to give work that you don't have to be doing to somebody mm-hmm. else to do is one of the great joys of running a long running successful business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it does add its own level of complexities. It does add more stresses. You are now responsible for somebody else's paycheck, right? Not just mm-hmm. your own. But mm-hmm. this is the dream, really, of like, well, now you can do other things or nothing, yeah. you know, with yeah. the time. Yeah. It's up to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny. We were we were always on board with that, um, like, outsource or have someone else do work that mm-hmm. we aren't, you know. But I... Th- I think what I think what's kind of interesting is we really let the products change the business. You know, I think mm. we could have easily said no to a lot of products that we have made because we knew it would like change how the business has to work. But I think we're so doggedly focused on like making good products and like the products what they need to be that we're we're willing to let the business like fundamentals change out from under us in terms of like the way we have to structure it uh, to make that happen. So that's interesting. And, like, and, and it could lead us all kinds of places. Um, but it's I mean, great because like, yeah, you've had the- great, such great success with these pens and, and related materials that like mm-hmm. you could have just left this on the table because it was going to be hard. Yeah. 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 It's like a, it's like a delayed lesson uh, that we eventually had to learn because just for whatever reason, we didn't necessarily intentionally plan it this way, but starting off with the glyph and then the cosmonaut and then kind of the next glyph after that, like our first kind of two or three, maybe four products 
basically required no assembly and then any assembly that was required basically just putting the packaging together and putting the thing in the packaging our manufacturer was able to do that like they you know were willing and able to do that so for the first three four five years of studio neat we that was just how we operated is like oh this is all an all-in-one solution like our manufacturer is doing everything there's no uh, you know, big time assembly that needs to happen. And then when we first encounter that, which was, I believe the neat ice kit where it's like, oh, there's actually like some parts that need to go together. And this needs to put, be put in this box a different way. We, uh, instead of hiring employees, we like found a different warehouse that had those capabilities. It ended up not being great and not being a great way to do that. But we were so kind of entrenched of in just this mindset of like, we don't do assembly. Like that's not a thing we can do or should do. Um, that that's why we chose to do the neat ice kit that way. Um, but I think, yeah, it's like when we started doing these pens and stuff, we just kind of fell into like, Oh, this is really specific like we can't have the the you know the warehouse people doing this obviously it's it's much too kind of like intricate and you know very specific way this needs to happen so we just started doing it ourselves and then just didn't stop doing it ourselves until probably too long but i guess better late than never and so it's good that we're finally kind of moving away from that well do you know what started all this hmm. i think it was obi that started all this because the first product where we really did any kind of in-house anything was the remote stand. And I feel like mm-hmm. that remote stand was like a lot in response of like OB failing and us being like, let's just do something that we can do that's simple. Yeah. And so the, the remote stand was the first thing where we like made it, a lot of the parts in-house and then did the assembly. And then I mm-hmm. think from there, mm-hmm. we're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. And then we did the material docs and we assembled those in-house. And so... Mm-hmm. It, we have kind of been slowly building. It's just the scale just got way different, you know, and then yeah. more complex yeah. in general. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. All roads lead back to Obi. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I, I did think about it a second ago when Tom mentioned laser guns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Obi. And I, I, and I always say it a lot, but that just feels like it, it just doesn't even feel like it. It was us, like it just feels like a different set of people. Yeah, yeah. Back then. that was like yeah. seven years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two thousand fifteen. I want to know. Tell me about empathy machines. Okay, time to join the song. Built warming up. I'm trying to uh, brainstorm what I should do. Mm. Dance tech corner. Mm. Um, empathy machine. This is a phrase that I stole from the late Roger Ebert, and he was discussing uh, movies, and he called them um, Machines for Empathy, I I believe is the... uh, I'm trying to look up the uh, exact quote. For me, the movies Uh, are like a machine that generates empathy. Yeah, there you go. And so I really love that, obviously. That's like a really nice turn of phrase. But I realized there's... That's an empathy machine is also such a great way to describe a built product when it's operating 
like at its finest level. Um, and so the example I have here is an old baby monitor we used to have. And um, it had a kickstand built into it that had a hole in it. Like basically the kickstand is like a U shape. And so when it, when you have it kicked out, there's like a gap in the middle of it. And that gap was the perfect handle to hook a pinky through (laughs) to carry the monitor when you have a baby and a bottle and a blanket and your hands are completely full and you're stressed out and you're a new parent. And that to me is like industrial design at its finest when the product is almost speaking to you like I see you <laughs> and I, I know what you're, uh, what you're going through. And we, we got your back. Like we, we thought of this, you know, like we, we actually went the extra mile to, you know what, like, what if there was a way to pick up this monitor with your pinky <laughs> because your hands are going to be full and, uh, oh no, like I'm leaving the room and I forgot the monitor and I have to somehow grab it. Um, and so I don't know why I connected those two things, but I think it's just like a beautiful way to think about product design at its finest is when you feel like the designers are like speaking to you and it's just like, shh, 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 it's okay. It's okay. Like <laughs> we, we've got you, like we thought of this, don't worry. Um, and so I, I don't know. I just really liked thinking of, it's almost like aspirational, like in what we do, it's like, how can we design something that's so thoughtful as if to like be speaking to the, uh, you know, the user, the customer in some way. So that's, I mean, that's all I had on that. I don't know if there's anything. Well, I think it, it, yeah. it ties in quite nicely with the idea. It's like a, a, a kind of a thing that I believe in how products should be designed. They should be designed by people that understand how to use them. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that if you're going to make such and such thing, you have to, understand it like you have to know how do people use it and Mm -hmm. i think a lot of the time some of the best products are made by people that need it you know it's like this isn't a unique thing that that i've said it's it's something that a lot of people believe which is the idea that like the best products are the ones made to scratch an itch right yeah like someone wants this thing to exist and they make it because it doesn't exist currently which means yeah. it's either a thing that's brand new or a thing that is a better version of something um, than than what is currently available in that product category, and I think that there is a there's an overlap there, right? Where it's like to to, to have come up with that insight into building that little hook on the baby monitor, mm-hmm. you have to have been in that situation. Yeah. You would never think of it <laughs> otherwise. You just wouldn't, yeah. right? Like you have to have that experience to be able to so carefully think it through. Yeah. Well, do you know, I mean, are you certain that that was an intentional design feature? That, I mean, that is, uh, that is the question. Uh, I, I, so I don't know for certain. Are um, you a glass half full or a glass? Uh, I am <laughs> well, yeah, here's choosing the thing. to be an optimist about it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. So here's the thing. I think what's interesting, it could be like, um, I think there's a lot of into, well, I'm certain that there's a lot of intuition that goes into design, right? And there's this kind of like humanistic bent to, I think, like good objects where 
you know, someone might be making a choice about how something should be or what something is missing. And it may not be this rational, like, oh, we did this testing and someone said we need a way to carry it by a pinky, you know. But Mm -hmm. the fact that maybe someone made a choice to, like, put that gap there, it's just like, and then, you know, humans can figure out ways to use it. And so Mm -hmm. it's this interesting... um, like if someone spends a lot of time thinking about an object or just like being with an object, they probably add a lot of like detail and like humanistic qualities like to that object. And then it's easy for other humans to kind of like get their hands around it and like find ways to use it. And so I think it might be like over romanticizing design to think that everything is super intentional but it also, it may not matter. You know what I mean? Like, ideally, everything would be super intentional. But also, I could see getting into a trap where you just overthought, you know, things are like way overthought. And there's not mm-hmm. as much kind of like mm-hmm. intuition and stuff being used. And so it's, an, it's just, it's this interesting, um, I don't know, it's like an interesting, like, back and forth, I think we have with like the story we tell ourselves about the objects that we have. And then, mm-hmm. like, the way we use them and our intuition and using the objects. And so, I don't know, it's, it's, a, a, it's an interesting process. It's definitely, I, like, something to consider. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just thought of another example that I love that this one I'm quite certain is intentional because I think I that's the context of me learning about it is reading about the decision to design it this way. But it's on IKEA uh, coffee cups. On the ring around the bottom, it's not a complete ring. It has like four notches uh, Mm -hmm. cut out of it. Do you gentlemen know why they did that? Does it stop rings in furniture? No. Hmm. (laughs) It's so when you put it in your dishwasher upside down, there's no place for water to pool pool. in that ring. It drains out uh, through those little notches. That's good. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that is just like, oh yeah, it's like I have plenty of dishes where it's like I have to like flick the water off, you know, when I'm pulling it out of the dishwasher and it's like, thank you. Thank you for seeing me and my pain. And and, you know, and and like I could pretty much predict how that happened, right? How that design Mm -hmm. feature happened. Like, they were Mm -hmm. like, okay guys, we're going to design a coffee cup. Let's just list out and there's probably like 10 people in the room like list out what are good and bad things about the use of coffee cups right and one person was like oh man i really hate it when there's a pool puddle of water in the you know Mm -hmm. and so like Mm -hmm. that is yeah that totally and so like that totally could have happened with the baby monitor too right like it easily could have but you know maybe if maybe with that baby monitor if if that was like a really strong design intent they might have made it like a finger hole and then maybe they would have screwed up like, oh, it's too big or too small. You know, it's like mm-hmm, it's tricky mm-hmm, to know mm-hmm. yeah. what's the best way to approach stuff like that. But um, yeah, I uh, the, what other what also came to mind in this vein was actually something about the Sonos move that we mentioned on the show. I was like looking around on the website and it's got this really good handle on the back, but they mm-hmm. also sell like a hook that you put on the wall that you can hang the speaker on, like on that hand hook. And I don't know, but I'm almost certain that that is like something that a customer did after the fact, like was like, hey, look, I made a little hook 
And, and I bet Sono saw that and was like, hey, we should make a hook <laughs> for the wall. I mean, that could I could be wrong, but I bet that's the case. And I think that kind of interaction is really interesting, too, where, mm-hmm. you know, like on revisions, <clears throat> the design team or the company is like paying attention to what people say. And then you get to do that revision, that kind of like crowdsourcing uh, bent, too, you know. And so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like I would love to like be able to see like you know 20 people using like products we make but not but not know that i'm like watching them you know what i mean so i can get a really honest like how they are like what are the problems or how do people use them um because it yeah it would just it's like a fire hose of like mistakes <laughs> and like you know oh man we oh whatever um, have you but, uh have either of you read off to steve i'm reading uh, it no. right now okay uh, I yeah. feel like I'm fulfilling my quarter of mentioning this in every single podcast that I'm on. <laughs> uh, just, there's a there's a part of it that I really like. Uh, did, uh, how far in the book are you, Dan? Uh, probably like sixty percent or so. You enjoying it? Uh, I am actually. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's like, okay, I kind of already know this. Yeah. Uh, so it's not. Uh, I feel like I think I yeah I've read like a Johnny Ive biography like kind of the main one mm-hmm. and I thought that was a little more illuminating than this. The, is that the Leander Kane one? I think so. Yeah, because okay. I yeah. always thought that that book might not be that good. I don't know why, and I never really paid attention mm. to it. But maybe I'll add that. Mm. But anyway, I, mm. I, I I'm really enjoying it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, when you're saying about the handle, it reminded me of one of the stories that they tell um, of the iMac, the G3 iMac, the colorful iMac. It had a handle on it, but mm-hmm. the intention for the design was not that people would pick it up as such, but that it invited people to touch it, and mm-hmm. in the touching, mm-hmm. made it feel more approachable. Yeah. And I friggin' loved it. Oh, I was like, oh, man, <laughs> you're a smart boy, Johnny. I, I like that. You know, I, yeah. I just, there's, yeah. th- there's a lot of things in this book that I really appreciate, which is th- these little pieces of information that i didn't know and probably mm-hmm. otherwise mm-hmm. would never know but he yeah. the, the book i think is pretty well sourced it seems like he has spoken to an awful lot of people that have worked close to yeah. johnny specifically um, yeah even though it's about both johnny and tim but. yeah yeah it's an interesting i mean the it, it's just a cool like the the title of the book is like after steve and then the subtitle is something like how they became a trillion dollar company and lost their soul or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's basically so far, it's mostly just the 10, here's an app. Here's a history of Apple, the 10 years after Steve jobs died. And you're starting to get traces of this, uh, kind of conflict or strife. Mm -hmm. And I, the, the section I'm in right now is interesting because it's, it's, it's illuminating a little bit more like why, Johnny Ive left, which yes. we all kind of had our guesses, which turned out to be pretty close to accurate, mm-hmm. but it feels good to have kind of like a well-sourced document of like, yeah. oh, this kind of all fits together. Well, and there makes was sense. stuff that like, I didn't know, like, and I don't think anybody knew that like when he was, uh, I think you've gotten to the past this part now, but when he was um, named chief creative officer, he actually went part-time. Mm-hmm. That Apple yeah. did not say that. Right? Yeah. Like that wasn't yeah. a thing, and, and I don't think <laughs> yeah. it was something that we knew. But yeah. then, when when Kenny tells, uh, sorry, when Mickle tells the story, you see what 
was going on. Like, it's like, oh, yeah. now this makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. You know? so, yeah. It's, it's really good. It's really good. I'll yeah. read the other one yeah. too. Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I love Johnny Ive. I can't help it. And uh, no, just no. This book. Like, of the choir. I know, but I know a lot of people think, like, I don't know, like they just want to blame Johnny for everything. I know, um, I know. But, like, I I feel so, like, like same-minded in hearing this book and, like, just hearing some of the struggles that he's going through. Like, mm-hmm. just the idea of him going through burnout is, like, such a fascinating thing. Yeah, yeah. Know? That, like, some the most accomplished industrial designer of the modern age, right? Potentially, or one of, right? Like, and just to, to think that he could be unsatisfied. It's just really fascinating. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And the thing that I think is good that we, that the book mentions, and I think is like useful to not forget is, uh, his soulmate died. (laughs) Like Steve jobs dying, obviously, impacted him greatly like there it was it was you know mccartney and lennon uh Mm -hmm. like that that can't be understated how big of an impact that had on just his you know all the you know the grief that he went through and just how their partnership was so amazing and so rare and they complemented each other so perfectly that it's just like there's no way things would be anywhere near the same as they were, you know, when he was alive because it was just such a special, rare partnership. Yeah. Yeah, and Mickle does, I think, sometimes a good job, sometimes a bit melodramatic job of, like, playing the idea of Cook and Ive. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. like, it, it wasn't like great stuff was not being done during that period, but the, yeah. the problem is... I've had his, I he knew the ideal way to make products, yeah. But he couldn't do that anymore because Steve yeah. wasn't around. So like yeah. it didn't it didn't matter who that next CEO was, wasn't going to make yeah. a difference, you know? Yeah. Super good. Yeah. Thoroughly considered as a joint production between Relay FM and Studio Need. You can find out more about this episode by going to relay.fm slash tc slash 84.